Hey ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Mel Herbert here. It's Elon today, it's February 18th, thought I'd chuck one of these down. I am actually recording this on President's Day because, you know, got nothing else to do. Um, we did a little uh, big show, large show, grand show uh, for the patrons show over the weekend, just me and Tom, and it was a bit of a total cluster, frankly. It was a bit of a total cluster because we had to get kicked out of the studio, and then we recorded another room, and oh, it was terrible. And a number of the patrons said, it sucked, don't do that again. And we heard you loud and clear, thank you very much. But hey, yeah, everybody's allowed to screw up every now and then, right? You know, uh, yesterday, your time, uh, there was a little SpaceX launch. Another 60 uh, Starlink satellites got launched. Everything went well, except they couldn't land it back on the drone for some reason. It's uh, interesting as you're watching the live feed, you see there's the drone ship, and then you see smoke off to the side, and then no rocket. So it turns out it missed it by a bit, although apparently it had a nice soft landing in the water, so they might be able to retrieve it. And I have not yet heard what happened with the fairings. Uh, we'll hear about that soon, I guess. But what I wanted to talk about this morning is do a little bit, a little bit of a deeper dive about Starlink, because I'm really trying to get my head around this a bit more. I spent a number of hours just sort of combing the interwebs, reading all I can. There's still some sort of giant holes that I have in terms of what exactly is going on here. But let's go through a bit of the history, shall we, together? Let's get us up to date as best as I can work out what's happening, because I really think this could be a significant global internet game changer, with a few caveats. So here we go. This was first proposed in January 2015, and Elon and the kids over there at the SpaceX said that they wanted to start with 4,000 low-Earth orbit satellites, right? Basically, he said they wanted to rebuild the internet, but in space. Now, is this worthwhile just from a financial point of view, if you could work it out technically? Well, did you know that the, the yearly market for internet access is currently about a trillion dollars. So surely uh, getting a piece of that trillion would be good. So now they plan 12,000 satellites and maybe, maybe 42,000. And it's unclear to me how they get that extra 30,000. They've been approved for 12,000. And apparently if they don't do it by the time they say, they can get locked in by the FDA and other groups and just say like, no, that's it. That's all you get. But my understanding is if they do their 12,000 in the time period stated, which is to 2027, then they potentially could put up 30,000 more after they've gone through some revisions to make sure that everything is okay. So just to put this in perspective, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, there's currently 2,000 satellites in space total, 2,000 total. And they're talking about, you know, 12,000 as their sort of initial goal, and then 42,000 as their more stretchy goal. What the word? 2018, Tintin A and Tintin B were the first two test ones that went up. And then it was May 23rd, 2019, that, that the first 60 were deployed. They're going to put these up at around 340 miles or around 550K. And so these are actually low enough to fall back into Earth's orbit after about one to five years. And this is actually on purpose as their sort of batteries and stuff run out. They run out of gases and gases and stuff that they'll basically fall back into Earth's orbit and they're made to burn up in said Earth orbit. They're about 500 pounds, about the size of a table, sort of a kitchen table. And some of the advantages about doing this in low Earth orbit is you get this low latency. The problem with the satellites that are up at like 22,000 miles and higher 
is that you get this big, long latency. As fast as light is, by the time you go from the ground base station up to the satellite, back down, you get latencies that are over half a second, which makes things like video conferencing, for example, useless. Gaming, useless. You might be able to stream uh, some movies and stuff, but you know, otherwise, not so good. I actually had one of these, the HughesNet version, over 10 years ago. Maybe it was 15 or 20 years ago. And yeah, I can attest to that, trying to do video conferencing and stuff over that. Useless. Now, there's a couple of interesting facts that I gleaned here, and a lot of this is actually from an article from Business Insider. In the vacuum of space, light travels about 47% faster than it does through optical cables. And my understanding is that because the uh, light flowing through optical cables is kind of bouncing off the walls, so it may actually be traveling a longer distance. And eventually, once you've got this giant cluster up there, you're going to have each satellite talk to about four other satellites with a laser link. So let's say you're in Minnesota and you want to get some file that's in Hawaii. It'll fire up to the nearest link over Minnesota and then it'll sort of make its way across at the, the speed of light across this sort of array of satellites and then down over the one on Hawaii. So that's the sort of the basic idea. You put this whole mesh network around the Earth and you can, you know, do these traveling uh, between the satellites at incredibly fast speeds and then up and down to the earthy Earth. Now, initially, when they put up sort of 400 to 800, they might have some moderate to minor coverage, mostly east-west, to really get over the poles and to sort of solve that problem of getting over to you know Alaska and over the poles. Then you need to put up a lot more. So their immediate goal to be pretty functional is 1,600 of these puppies. And as I've said, ultimately to get about 12,000 of these. He thinks that, he being Elon, he thinks that this will be economically viable once they get to about 1,000 of these puppies up there. And the service is probably going to be about 80 or 90 bucks, which is about what you pay for high-speed internet access, at least here in Los Angeles. The receivers, though, are going to be about 200 bucks, which again is about, you know, what you pay for an expensive cable modem here in the United States. And the receiver is going to be about the size of a small pizza box, and it's going to do this non-movable tracking thing where it's sort of looking at the satellites as they go by so it can pick the best one. And so there's a couple of other interesting things that come out of this. Because they're going to be falling out of the sky at a rate of around every five years, they're going to have to fire up 12,000 satellites every five years. So the initial deploy is going to take years, but then they're going to have to replace it every five years. That could be pretty expensive, although they're making these things relatively inexpensively. They're using the reusable rocket, the Falcon 9, which makes things a lot cheaper. But they plan on using Starship, which will have a much higher capacity and theoretically will be able to put all these satellites up at about 10% of the cost that they're doing right now with Falcon 9 which totally makes it worthwhile. And they are looking for a market share of about uh, 10 to $50 billion a year. Now, some of the things that I don't understand is what is going to be the full capacity. In this Business Insider article, they said each launch, so each 60 satellites, could give about 40,000 users enough internet access to everybody at the same time stream 4K video. Now, that sounds pretty impressive, but they go on to say, but just remember, like, if you've got a big city, if you've got a city like Los Angeles with something like 10 million people, if everybody tried to hop onto the Starlink uh, satellites and stream 4K video from a place that big, just going through the sort of the few local satellites that are over the top, it's probably not going to work very well. This is going to work great 
for rural and remote areas, but not necessarily something that you're going to see deployed in the cities. Probably in the cities, you're still going to use your cable modem, you're going to use your fiber optics, and then you're going to use this puppy for when you are, you know, out in the middle of nowhere. The other thing that's really not clear to me is uh, what's the uplink speed? A lot easier to do downlink speed than it is uplink speed because you have to have a pretty big radio on the ground to sort of fire it up through the atmosphere and to the um, satellites as far as I understand. So if that's really restricted, if it's really slow, like those first generation HughesNet ones were, they were reasonably fast in their in their time frame for downlink, but the uplink speeds were terrible. In fact, in a couple of the iterations, you used a phone line to uh, do your uplink. So what is that number? Why aren't they telling us that? Do they not know or is it pretty, pretty slow? I think I said over the weekend on the Big Show, the Large Show, the Grand Show, the Patron Show, that even if it was 20 megabytes up, my experience, you know, video conferencing and doing the stuff we do for our business is that 20 megabytes is okay. Uh, that's enough. You can do pretty big files. You sort of set them up to to uh, upload overnight or over an hour or two. You can get some pretty big files up there. You want to have fast download speeds for things like 4K streaming, of course. But also, how many people can really use this at once? And what's going to happen if it's really successful? Are they going to limit the number of users so you don't get slow access? Because that could be a killer for it, right? Everybody's out there and they're spending their money. And if they got greedy, they'd say, well, let's put a lot more people onto this um, new space link network internet-y thing and overwhelm it and slow things down. So I know that there are some of you out there that know much more about this, but I find it super interesting. I really am interested in for the rural and remote areas, uh, for personnel that are in the middle of nowhere during forest fires, for people that are in uh, Africa and places where there's it's just too much money to be stringing cable across uh, giant continents, parts of which are pretty sparsely populated. For example, in the middle of Australia, really hard to get fast internet in the middle of Australia because uh, there's nowhere to link to. So there's a lot of places where this could be extraordinarily useful. I think it's going to uh, be a boon for uh, SpaceX, but there's some of these technical issues I don't quite understand. And if they got to the full 42,000, what does that mean? They were talking about in the full 42,000 version that they'd have some that are even lower down, and then they'd have some that are higher up, and they'd have some over the poles. And so how does all that work? Why do you do that? You could have the really low ones for ultra-low latency and you know, latencies of about 25 milliseconds, whereas your optical things down here are about 10 to 20 milliseconds. So that's still pretty good. What are these really ones that are high up in the air do? What are they doing? The ones that they are saying that they might put up at about 800 miles. Again, doing lots of internet searching, perhaps I just don't know the right place to look. But some of these questions I don't have answer to. But hopefully that gives you a little bit more information about Starlink. I'm excited about it. Now, the downsides, of course, the biggest downside we've heard so far is one space junk. This is a lot of stuff up there. And if you've ever seen the movie Gravity or read lots of science fiction, you know that if you have one satellite smashed into another satellite, that can result in a cascade of little bits of crap flying around, hitting other things. And there's this ongoing exponential logarithmic terribleness that can occur. So there is AI in these puppies. And they do have these ion thrusters, and they're supposedly going to track all the little bits of crap around there and try and maneuver around it. Although already we've had one situation where a Starlink uh, satellite wasn't getting out of the way and somebody else had to maneuver out of the way. So that's really got to work well. When you put that much junk up into space, well, I shouldn't say junk, when you put that many satellites up there, they have got to be able to maneuver and not hit each other. If you haven't seen it, uh, go see the movie. Go see Gravity. It's pretty cool. But it gives you that sort of good visual image of the cascade, that logarithmic cascade of things smashing into each other, then smashing into other things, then smashing into other things. There's also a book called Seven Eves, 
which premise is basically the same where like something happens to the moon and it splits in half and then it keeps cascading and just read the book pretty good ladies and gentlemen boys and girls my name is Mel Hubbard the show is Elon today any of you spacey people out there that uh, know some of these questions uh, get back to me and then I'll uh, publish it here on the show everybody out for now